0: Hey, welcome to The Look Back, my pandemic podcast, or hopefully post-pandemic podcast, broadcasting here from the basement of Newman Media Studios. My name is Keith Newman and I'm the host of The Look Back. And this is a place where we have some fun conversations with old friends, a few newsmakers, and some rule breakers, all in the name of sharing insights and experiences along with a little bit of levity and fun. I hope you enjoy the conversation. And if you're so inclined or perhaps even open to some bribery, you'll share this podcast with some friends who might also enjoy it. Let's go on to the show. We are here at The Look Back with Mike Bell. And Mike, it's been a, it's, it's been a cup of coffee or two since like, we <laughs> cut up.
1: <laughs> a cup of coffee and a couple of pints of beer since then. Yeah, for oh sure. my
0: gosh. But you know, um, I have been following your uh, career and your progress. I mean, we're both a little bit active on social um, sometimes begrudgingly, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah. you know, we got to do what we got to do, right? We got to stay active and out there and, and, and drive progress. Uh, yeah. You are definitely doing that.
1: Yeah, thanks. I don't get a lot. Of, I don't take a lot of credit myself. Uh, the company, Miso, has got a really good uh, team. And so we get, and we get a ton of exposure. Robots are popular. and It's a big part of our kind of crowdfunding uh, plan. So, yeah, my, my mug is pasted all over <laughs> Uh, (laughs) by others, not just me.
0: (laughs) Do they have a robot version of you yet to replace?
1: (laughs) Not yet, not yet. Probably in the works. Yeah, it's probably in the works.
0: But what a great story, Mike. I mean, you and I met back in the day, of course, Mm -hmm. when we were talking, you know, computer software and entertainment software, consumer software, and then your career progressed and you did a lot in the enterprise space. I mean, some heavy duty stuff. So take me through that first transition for you and and how that's gone and then we're going to definitely talk a little bit about robots and fundraising and all kinds of other good stuff that's
1: okay yeah yeah for sure so um I sold so I I started and ran Encore for 14 years and sold that to a public company Navar and and when I left when I left that gig I was just too young to retire and I love working and I love what I what I do. And so I, I, I came into kind of the next chapter in my professional career, which was uh, mercenary hired gun. And here in Southern Cal, it was kind of a burgeoning uh, venture scene kind of back then. This is, you know, this is back 2007 2000, yeah. and, and burgeoning venture scene. And I got introduced to, um, to to venture guys that introduced me then to companies where I kind of came in as a hired gun. The, the profile was interesting. It was, um, you know, w- what's happened in the world of tech is that uh, technologies became much more accessible. The engineers are typically quite young. It's typically engineers who actually found companies. And so there's these companies that had oftentimes had a tiger by the tail. They were uh, founded and run by engineers, sometimes in their twenties, so very early in their, in their profession. And um had a good use for a guy that had uh, seen some things and had lost a little hair and kind of stepped on a lot of landmines. And so
0: <laughs> battle uh, story.
1: indeed, indeed I stepped on every damn landmine there is. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it kind of, it it it, 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 it was kind of the next era in my career where I was typically plugged in as COO or president or whatever, and kind of worked alongside a founder or a founding team. And kind of did that in a rinse and repeat mode for a number of years until I came is to that, be. Successful. How was that
0: adjustment though, going from something because Encore Software was a licensing arm and and did a lot of really cool titles and got great marketing and distribution, but in the consumer total B two C space, and then you were you were transitioning into you know I'm sure selling so to Fortune 500, C level tech.
1: Yeah, it kind of I, I kind of got swept into it. It wasn't deliberate, Keith. And the the it, a couple of things that were happening, like I joined a company called uh, SOS Online Backup. It was a lot like Dropbox or Box, where you was yeah. taking yeah. computer files and putting them in the cloud for you know disaster recovery kind of thing. That was a consumer app. And, and what happened is is kind of two things. One consumer software, especially packaged goods, whatever, it kind of went away. Like everything kind of went to, to the web pretty quickly.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Um, And so uh, that, that era of like consumer software, you know, games were a console and everything else was a website. So they kind of evaporated pretty quickly. And and the second thing that happened was SOS uh, for a number of good reasons evolved into an enterprise play. It's technology was just better suited for, Enterprise or SMB, and so I, I kind of went along for the ride because I was president there, and that's where the trends took us. And so suddenly, I found myself this consumer packaged goods software guy selling to SMB or mid-market enterprise, um, and kind of lo- it was new, it was different. I learned a lot of things. Uh, candidly, didn't didn't lo- don't love that space, and, and didn't really thrive there. Uh, but also got kind of pretty well networked with a whole different class of software companies that were doing similar things.
0: What I'm particularly intrigued by is that notion of you got to be the subject matter expert to run the company. And I gather from your from your just your brief description here, you teamed with somebody who was the SME essentially, and yeah. you brought the skills of really, how do I organize the company, build the right team, and drive the KPIs that really take the company, you know, to that next ascent. It,
1: it, it was very much like that, where what I brought was more kind of basic business building, uh, you know, operation skills and practice. Uh, where I didn't need to become an SME immediately on things like you know backing up network centers for an enterprise. So I, I, I kind of learned what I needed to learn, but because I was partnering with the founding team that, that had that expertise. I oftentimes was happy being kind of the guy behind the scenes, either working on fundraising or scaling or you know other things that were just more kind of hands-on.
0: Yeah. Hey, Mike, before I jump into robotics, which the tech uh, honestly is a, is a real interesting area for me, is um, the question about Encore, because that's where we really connected a lot. Um, what What's your favorite memory when you look back there? I know you had a great team there and so many interesting meetings that you had on the developer side the publisher side the marketing distribution retail stuff what what do you remember as some highlights that were either just kind of fun and fascinating or just great learning experiences like okay this is how the
1: world works kind of a moment yeah there was a lot of those but some of the most fun some of the most you know kind of joyful memories uh, were around, it sounds kind of crazy, but the social activities in the industry at the time, it was such a super tight-knit industry, and you kind of got to know everybody. Um, there was two, two events that stood out. One is when, when Encore started sponsoring kind of the opening party, party at E3, um, first in Atlanta and then in L.A., um, and we did it, and it was kind of just like, "Hey, wouldn't this be fun?" And it ended up being kind of a really big industry event where all the buyers, on the press, everybody kind of came, and super fun. And then the second, do you remember uh, Navarre's interchange events? Oh, of course. How could you forget those? I mean, yeah. the first one uh, that I went to, I think that was um, you know John Denver at Telluride, and I was there. I was there. Yeah. That was epic stuff. <laughs> Right, yeah, and then John Denver um, singing. And wasn't Chris Isaac there too? That was it. That was in Telluride, Mount Tabor. It was oh, Chris sorry. Isaac, and then and then the next night, Jackson Brown at the same event.
0: Okay, I saw Chris Isaac in Denver. I missed Jackson Brown. I guess it was well, so. I, I did. I did a fly fishing trip. Where we were up on the hills of Telluride. Did some mountain biking, and then yeah. some great discussions. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was so fun, and it was again such a tight knit industry and such a tight yeah. group that. um yeah, and we end up sponsoring a bunch of that stuff, and so we got a lot of visibility for the company. And um, uh, yeah, hooting the blowfish um.
0: and good. And, and the other slide, besides all the fun we had, which uh, seems to be disappearing at a rapid speed, also <laughs> yeah. the idea that um, you know you learn a little bit in terms of what makes great partnerships. Um, uh, that you got to get outside of the business zoom. Uh, conversations and do some other things and those are the ones that really stand the test of time really.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it allowed for really durable relationships where the you know there was trust, you know, you know if you're w- working with the buyer at you know CompUSA or Costco whatever else, you kind of had their back because there was a pre-existing relationship and there was just it was better times in a lot of ways, right?
0: Yeah, and uh, good, good mention that, uh, that we're here together and that you mentioned some fun memories here. So that's kind of why I do these things. Help me remind my, my brain's getting softer and stuff. <laughs> so Let's power forward because you're really doing something super exciting and I want to make sure we have some time for that. I mean, as I understand it, the hardware um, and SaaS space, you're looking at something like a $70 billion market opportunity. Um, I read somewhere you have 11 million in pre-orders um, maybe it's more than that either. Let's talk about Flippy. As I understand it, Flippy is the core product that is um, revolutionizing robotics in the world of fast food industry and, and sort of um, you know, changing the way the fast food um, cost models can get developed. So you can be a lot more efficient by implementing some level of robotics into the mix. And it just seems to me like, of course, this is just a fantastic idea and a perfect use case alongside of some of the factory automations stuff where robotics is already happening. But doing it in the in the restaurant business, um, we, it's a it's a challenging business and one my family is is comes from. So uh, it, it has some personal interest. That and by besides the besides the fact, Chipotle and and Buffalo Wild Wings and and wait for it wait for it White Castle. <laughs> You know, you're 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 talking my 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 fast food game. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Give, me, give, us, give me a little of more context in what's happening
1: with me, so and how you're positioning. Yeah, it, it's super fun. So, uh, we're solving a big problem with brands that are super familiar. You know, everybody, everybody you know has an association with some of the brands are just regulars with and. We're solving a problem that, that, that just the average person can lay eyes on and go, yeah, that makes perfect sense. There's no way a human being should be standing over that vat of fires doing that same thing for eight hours a day. And so it's kind of a no brainer for people and it's a big problem. Um, it's, you know, the background, when you pull back, you, you look at it is that robotics and automation has come a long ways, but it kind of forgot the restaurant industry until recently. Like if you look at uh, logistics and warehousing or delivery, I mean, drones, and, and even like autonomous vehicles, the, the robots of source, of source, And so all this technology is like barreling ahead. And then you look at the restaurant industry, look back a house, you're like, what's the last big technology innovation that's occurred back of house? It's really the dishwasher, like 85 years ago. They're just, everything else is kind of still done the same way. And so the company was founded six years ago and I was not part of that founding. I got brought in later, but <laughs> The company at the time looked at it and said, okay, this is you know it, it, it just a, a rich field of opportunity to apply automation in you know back of house and candidly tough problems to solve. Like it's not as easy. It's it combines because of the environment and the nature of work and the different kind of um uh you know what 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 back of house like layouts are and lighting, and everything like that. It's kind of a hard problem to solve. So it took us about five years to get the product to be just nailing it and so when we install it it just you know does its thing and does it really well and makes a big you know economic impact on our customers like it took about five years and now in our sixth year uh we're we're really uh entering kind of the scale phase where we have these exciting partnerships and um we look ahead and it's the big question is like you know how fast can we go and how high is high because the, the, the industry is really really big and the demand is huge for what we're doing
0: Am am I am I right in saying that that's Flippy? That's what you're calling the
1: product, and yeah, yeah, that's it's 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 our it's our first product. We have others, but it's the only one that's live right now in the market. Okay,
0: and that's now. Let's give me a description of what Flippy is doing inside one of these accounts. I mentioned a few examples that I stole, I think, off your website.
1: Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. When people uh, hear about what we do, they think, you know, so we we make AI powered robots that help prepare food. Human beings naturally think of you know C-3PO and it's like the robot that walks around and does it. It's not humanoid. It doesn't have a head. It doesn't have a name. What it is, it's an overhead rail stood up by kind of two side rails, two side frames that goes over a fry station. The, the, there's an arm that hangs down from the overhead rail and there's a series of cameras or eyes, if you will. And then there's an intelligence system that's in a computer within it. And it basically takes the fry the basket for fried food through all the paces from frozen food all the way through prepared food. Uh, And it does it faster, more accurately and cheaper than, and more reliably, of course, than a human being. It stands up essentially overnight. We charge around $3,000 a month, which is cheaper than human labor to do the same work by, 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 by a ways. And, um, and it just works amazingly well. And it solves a real problem for the restaurants. They have, a really hard time recruiting for this position, retaining position. It's, it's a tough job. It's dirty. It's kind of dangerous. It's repetitive. Your,
0: timing, your timing is so prescient. Yeah. Think about how everybody in the restaurant business is just so hard to hire. You ask anybody you walk into high end or low end fast food, you know, QSR it's like hiring people is the biggest challenge. And you're, you're not only bringing them a solution, you're bringing them a traumatic cost savings.
1: Yeah. Is yeah. it
0: traumatic? I, I mean, take me through a little bit of the economics without
1: giving too. too sure. Deep. Sure. One human being working a fry station for, uh, for, for one month, just one shift. So 40 hours a week, no weekends, just one shift. It's about $3,000 a month for, for a restaurant, fully loaded with all the costs. So okay. a robot goes in and works two shifts plus weekends, can work around the clock, actually three shifts if you want, if you need it for around the same, the same price point. So it's simple math for a restaurant to look at and say, wow, why would I not do this? Especially when you can't staff the position to begin with. Now, along the way, once they install the robot, all these additional benefits carry on. Like they get, the restaurants get uh, food that's it's actually cooked more precisely, so it's better. Uh, there's, a, there's, there's higher throughput, so speed of service goes up. Uh, all these other benefits wow. kind of carry along with it. And, you know, we get the question all the time. It's like, what's the catch? You know, what's the catch? Um, And that's exactly kind of where you want to be with the product market fit. Yeah.
0: Well, maybe a little bit of software blip here and there or a reset or server error. Shit. We still <laughs> have that stuff, right?
1: <laughs> you, of course. It's technology. It's still, <laughs> so, it's not perfect. We so wanted to get it to look like a, to work like a, it's like a refrigerator with that kind of reliability, easy installation. We're not there yet, but we're getting there. Man,
0: that is so cool. I can't wait to see this. So obviously you're going out to the fast food guys, right? And they're yep. saying, yes, let's test it. And then they're saying, okay, the test is going well. Let's roll it out. Right?
1: Yep. Yep. They, they, they first come here to Pasadena and they sit, we have a robotics lab and we cook their food for them and we show them the metrics. We show them how fast the food cooks, what the cost is. Yeah. yeah. They then want to pilot it in their own location. So let's say, you know, get us one of these robots and they'll put it in one of their live restaurants for like 60 or 90 days. And then they, they ask and answer the question, how many of these do we want and in how many locations over what period of time? And this is new territory for them. Like they don't have a formula for it. And so they're, we're kind of going there together with them and kind of planning rollouts. Um, Keith, we have pilots this summer with so many of the nation's leading brands we have yet to announce. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a really fun couple of years. But
0: well, you've had some successful pilots already going yeah.
1: on proof of concept, going beyond
0: and doing... So, so now the challenge is manufacturing probably. And uh, if you I mean, I'm sure the challenge is everywhere, but
1: (laughs) yeah. But 2020, 2024 is all going to be supply chain challenges. Um, You know, we can get through, we think we solved enough problems to get through 23, but like each one of these chains has, you know, between one and 7,000 locations. You know, they're just, they're just really, really big. And this is just domestic and we're getting even more demand overseas, believe it or not. And so, yeah, we're going to be be working on supply chain.
0: I, I believe Europe for sure. Asia yep. and LATAM, I'm not as, I don't know where that comes on. Hey, So let me ask this, another question too. We've been talking mostly from the guy on the fryer. So what do you, I don't know if you call that back, back of
1: house, but is it yep. also
0: going to be front of house robotic solution or? Where not that- re-
1: Not really, not yet. Um, r- like right now, there's a lot of stuff going on with AI and order taking. Okay. So either through drive through or kiosk or whatever, and AI for order taking, like the, the, you know, the speech recognition, it's, 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 it's really not there yet. It's a bumpy ride for customers. And there's a lot of companies trying to, trying to do that kind of thing. So what we end up doing is focusing on back house where there's just so many tasks that are repetitive, that are hard to staff. So we, we don't envision a restaurant that's human free. We, we envision a restaurant where humans work with humans and the repetitive work is left to machines. So that's our vision. There's going to be more and more product releases that we're going to announce in the the months and years ahead. Okay. Well, everybody should check out your website at Miso
0: Robotics. Let me ask you the geeky venture uh, capital questions because, you know, I'm up here in uh, Menlo Park and uh, I breathe the the VC crap out up here. I mean, the stuff all the time. Uh, How much have you raised? Where are you at? I know you did some crowdfunding. How did that go? Give us us a little taste for that because I know my my audience loves this stuff.
1: So... Our original Series A and Series B, which was $15 million, was traditional venture. And that was back in like 2017, right? Then right around the time of the pandemic, we thought what's, there's this new series of legislation that's been uh, allowed called, called Reg A. It allows non-accredited, which means just average humans, mm-hmm. Af- average Americans, to invest in private companies, okay? Mm-hmm. And there were some, some rules about how you had to do that. We qualified for that, and so we opened up our first round of crowdfunding in Series C in uh, March of 2020, and it was an explosive success, Uh, Like just right out of the gates. Tons of demand, ended up being good timing, believe it or not, because of the pandemic. There was just a lot of private investing going on, and uh, we've since, believe it or not, raised almost $70 million this way. I know it might be been, a
0: record high uh we're one we're of the, we're, we're
1: the top few yeah uh yeah. yeah and so this people ask all the time well why do you do it that way and the simple answer is because we can it's incredibly efficient source of capital and you, uh you, you it, mean, it, from it just kind
0: of standpoint it's not as dilutive as
1: a, another round of venture it, and it it, it kind of just the spigot just turns on and it funds itself you don't have to like you know, traipse around Sandhill Road pitching, you know, your next round. Um, there's just a, a steady flow of investment dollars coming into the company. We have like something like 24,000 individual shareholders. The average investment is $3,000. Some people some invest. You in six, some more. More. Do
0: you need some help managing your cap table?
1: <laughs> we, it, it's pretty tidy in the cap table too. They all kind of bundle up into one. Like we're, we're, we did a series C, a series D, and a series E this way. And they're all kind of like proxied up into one kind of class of shares. So, yeah, it's a, but it's, 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 it's a lot like a public company. We have annual shareholder meetings. We do a lot of, you know, uh, every, all of our financials are audited and you know, looked at by the SEC. So, uh, and it's just a great source of capital for us.
0: Wow. Well, that's great. I love talking about this stuff, Mike, and love to also hear about things going so well and you're doing so well. Um, in terms of a, just kind of another offbeat question, kind of. Um, we're in a period coming out of um, the pandemic where people are coming back to work and you're a very, it would seem like the company that would need to have a lot of employees at the office. How are you managing that whole work from home, work remote and, and managing that high level of productivity I know you're
1: you're you're trying to keep an eye on? Yeah, it's, it's a blend. Okay. So uh, we have about 120 people, about 90 of them are engineers, a little more than that actually. Uh, the, mecha- the, uh, the mechanical engineers, the, the, the people that design like physical robots, they actually have to come in. Their job requires them to be here in our robotics lab. So there's like, you know, call it 30, 40 people. that are in every day just working in a lab, either testing hardware or designing new stuff. The software team, we just let them work wherever the most efficient. And it's Southern Cal, so traffic is pretty wretched. And we just basically say, look, we're going to treat you like adults and wherever you're most effective, work there. Some want to come in because they like the whiteboard, they work with teams, they, they, whatever. That's good. Some of them we just never see. <laughs> they work at their home office. They yeah. may as well be in you know, another city or whatever, and that's okay too. But uh, it seems to be working for us. Um, and, and then the management teams, kind of, most of them are, are here in Pasadena. And you bring them in the
0: management side once in a while. But, yeah. the, but certain software people can be wherever, whenever. It probably helps with recruiting too. Is that becoming a factor now as I recruit that, you know, you could be anywhere for this job or
1: it, it does. Yeah. It helps a lot. Uh, we do have a lot of people surprisingly that, that move, that relocate because they want to live and work here. Even if they prefer to work home office, a lot of them come in for company meetings or you know company parties or events or, you know, or just to, to see and work with the robots. So uh, it's, it seems to be working okay right now.
0: Mike, this is fantastic. Listen, I love catching up with you. Let me try to steal one thing from you. Sure. Uh, share one of your secrets or tips or tools that you go to. Um, your your uh your management, your operations, your you're a team builder. You've got a great background, not only as an executive, but in in sales and 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 marketing leadership. You I know, mean, what are some of the things that you can share? A lot of entrepreneurs and startup founders are are in my audience that I like to share a couple tips with, from somebody who's walk, done the fire walk uh, more than once.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 What's, what kind of has worked for me is um, since early in my career is that I've um, hired really, I hired people that are a hell of a lot smarter than me and a lot better than me in a lot of ways. Uh, and so I, I, I hired really well, and that's not the, that only works that's half the equation. That only works if you get the other half of the equation right, which is to define very precisely, you know, what is success and, and where you're going and, 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 and you know, kind of just aligning everyone with great precision as to where you're going. I leave the how up to my team. <laughs> and so, like, how you want to get that? What's the best method forward? Yeah. Um, I heard people then just get out of their way and support them, you know, servant leadership and just really support them that way. But it only works if you get great buy-in and great clarity on exactly where the company's going, and so it makes my job easier.
0: No, I love it. That makes great sense. And as far as accountability, then you just check in on the results and how they're doing it against that. See where you can knock down any barriers or you know help push them along.
1: Exactly. Exactly. What what obstacles can I remove to make you you know more effective? And yeah. that is great.
0: Well, uh, if there's anything I can do to help Miso Robotics, I'm gonna look into that crowdfunding thing. <laughs> and, uh, wow what fantastic story i can't wait to see one of uh one of the products live
1: yeah yeah i'll let you know they'll be in your neck of the woods i think by fall we got a big expansion we're gonna announce so um yeah we're, we're off to the races but I, i'm glad to have the chance to catch up with you keith you're a class act and i'll stay in touch with you
0: no, Mike, I'm sorry we haven't chatted more because i always enjoyed our conversation. So engaging and such a fun road that we kind of ran together. And it was always great to, to bump into you when we were able to, but whether it was on the media side or the business side, whatever, always enjoyed it. And I'm not surprised to find you, you know, doing something innovative, creative and uh, and having a good run at it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right. You, we'll you stay in touch it. and be well, all right? All right, I'll keep an eye. Okay, <laughs> take care, Thanks
0: for listening to The Look Back. We do appreciate your support, welcome any feedback, and would love it if you would subscribe to this podcast and even consider sharing it with some of your friends. For more information and other cool info, check us out at newmanmediastudios.com.